Welcome to Mixed Company, bringing the siloed and uncomfortable conversation we have with our friends to the forefront so everyone can participate in the conversation. We say all the things you never would in Mixed Company. Welcome to Mixed Company. But every time we get here, we like to do our little banter, and I like to watch the faces of the people that are joining us. And as you guys have guessed it, we are here today with a guest. Um, this woman has played an integral role in our growth as a podcast, as a team, as professionals over the course of the last 12 months, actually, according to Time Hop. The master class was 12 months ago. Uh, we have Miss Erica Riggs here, who is the director? Director? Yes, director. The director of, you have to give the title, but you, the director of inclusion. Direct, I'm Foundation and Inclusion right. Director. Foundation and Inclusion Director, that's what of it is. The Ag of, Club the Ag of the Ag Club of New York's York. Foundation. You gotta let me get to that. I was just asking for help with the first part. That's 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 Miss that's Miss Erica. Miss Erica says she's not gonna let me just say whatever. <laughs> she's gonna correct the whole damn thing. But Miss Erica Riggs is here, and um, for those of you that have uh, witnessed us in person or have listened to us speak about uh, the Advertising Club of New York Fellowship for Women, which Karina and I had the amazing blessing of being a part of for the last year. Um, it, we probably wouldn't have done half of the amazing things that we, quite frankly, accomplished and experienced without Miss Erica Riggs. I don't know if that's yeah. true. I just helped okay, to facilitate it. Okay, maybe a quarter. All right, you don't want to take yes. a half. You can yes. take a quarter. Yes, 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 because you all are, are awesome in your own right. So I saw some awesome women. I had a great platform. Thank God it's a blessing to be able to have a platform like this. And I said, I want to see what these two women can do with it. And you all have superseded. We did some things. And not to mention, you're also you're also not stingy with it. You let us share some things with Simeon. So that part was great. Like, Simeon got yeah. to come along for the ride. What did I get to do? You see how you like, you, I love wow. how you listen to everything that we just said in the past two minutes. See what I'm saying? I want to know this. Simeon is dope, right? Simeon shows up, doesn't say much at first, but when you do add something, it's kind of like a gumbo. You make the gumbo taste a little bit better. Fair. 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 Am I the root? No. 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 I'm not gonna give you that because you ain't even listening. So I, I, I want to know what, what seasoning. I want to know what part of the gumbo. It's that spice. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh, my bad. But the crabby makes it better. Like, you can make it without it, but that would just be dumb. Well, it's kind of that flavor that you, that escapes you. You're like, what is that? What is that? What is that? Yeah. That's yeah. Simeon. Yeah. You're welcome. I'm going to put that on my LinkedIn. You're welcome. Put that on my LinkedIn. <laughs> anyway, we are here for another episode. Um, basically, what y'all don't know is... The masterclass, the Advertising Club of New York holds an annual masterclass. We talked a little bit about this last year, but we actually wanted to give you guys a more in-depth view of what comes out of this masterclass, why we why we discuss this, and also why you actually need to pay more attention to the ad club, join the ad club, and see what they got going on. Um, and we just felt there's no better person to tell you about that experience and all of those benefits than Miss Erica Riggs herself. So we're going to get into that a little bit later. Um, in the meantime, in between time, what we're about to do is our favorite dope shit or ain't shit. And there's been a lot of dope shit. 
couple ain't shits, but I don't, I don't have anything ain't shit to talk about. I'm in a good mood. Um, so we can just kick it off. Who wants to start? All right, so y'all looking at me. I'll start off with um, Disa Samiro. The brand is strong. Um, they were on Adweek's Creative 100 issue this week. Shout out to David Griner over there at uh, Adweek. Yes, and um, they had a really good uh, introduction. Intro- uh, they had a really good article about how they want a lot of political candidates to drop by their show, and they mentioned something about Trump fan- fatigue. So, like, with all things that we say about Trump and all his media um, visibility. They want to see politicians not come with their, you know, spiel about who they, why they're here and their platform, but to see who they are just as people. And I love when they say, where is it? We're kind of like the ginger when you eat sushi. It's a palate cleanser. Hmm. <laughs> you're not like the ginger. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you're not, you're wow, not. you caught that. You might, you <laughs> might <laughs> So check out this show on on Showtime. They did a really good um, moments with AOC, and they had Cory Booker on. But I love that. So the brand is strong. Shout out to the I I found it actually interesting that they did make that because I have found it very challenging to c- keep up with Jesus and Marrow now that they moved to Showtime. Because when they were on Vice, oh that was my sh- the what that was my shit. That's how I got, that's how, listen, I tell people all the time, I don't know how I made it through 2018, but I really think it was those 15 minute vignettes of watching stitchings of their shows together. Like, so I anticipated, because I've heard other people say this, that they may have lost some of their audiences, but either they got really good PR, a really good PR team, or, you know, they, they really brand is promo. staying strong, I guess. Yeah, they really promote that show on Twitter. Everything. Do you watch it? You have Showtime, first of all. Let's be honest. Um, hold on. Uh, sometimes I get the free, and sometimes I get the hookup. Well, that's what I mean. I'm not asking you for paying for it. it. You do. Watch I don't it? watch it as often. I'll so can y'all share your uh, Showtime logins with me, please, so I can finish the shy? Hey. <laughs> Yeah. I, I can. I can. Wow. Why was the pause? I have to see if I, no. I have to see if I remember what the password is. What? what? Never mind. Anyway, it's, <laughs> one of, it's one of those situations where somebody gave me the password like three years ago, and then I only like hit them up and be like, "Hey, what's going on?" If I need like an update. There's password. also a free pass on Hulu for Showtime. Free pass? Is it a lifetime yeah. free pass? Like, I mean, not lifetime, but you can catch up in like a day or something. I don't know. Your, your girl is. Can. Your I'm girl is still options. in the office. I'm not Option. between nine and five, I'm busy. So no, I cannot spend a whole day. But it is good to see that they still have things moving forward. Glad to see that they are. I'm actually glad to see some urban folk, not just people of color, just like real urban, dope, cool ass people on the cover of Ad Week. Like sometimes it gets really stuffy when it's just like agency people, unless it's like really dope agency people, but it's not always the dopest of agency, sometimes just the smartest. They happen to be dope and smart, so it was really nice to see them uh, tear it up. And I heard, I think um, I was reading David Griner's tweets last night, and he was basically talking about what went into picking these people um, and our fave, oh. Doug Zanger, had a hand in that as yes. well. Yes. So, did, did same articles. you yes. know, Adweek always shows us love, um, so we'd love to show it right back. So I guess I'll I'll steal somebody's login and catch up on some Desus and Murrow. We'll find you a way, honey. We'll find you a way. Okay. Yeah, we'll make it happen. Okay. Who's next? Uh, my, my dope shit is short and sweet. Um, 
on Netflix about a week ago uh, when they see us came out, which was directed by Ava DuVernay, and it was about the Central Park Five. Nothing short and sweet about this. Uh, it's not. There's, you're right. There's nothing short and sweet about it. I haven't um, had the courage yet to talk about it. It's probably one of the best pieces of cinema that I've seen. Since pop color, I would put it up there with the color purple. I put it up there with roots. Yeah, I put it up there with um, maybe even Titanic, even though Titanic was like very love focused and stuff like that. But like, there is a level of of and and this is obviously nonfiction. There's a level of storytelling that went into that that was so honest that I saw people speaking about how it triggered them, some in good ways, some in bad ways, yeah. that I wouldn't even have have expected to, to speak up. Like people that don't ordinarily provide commentary on art or film or entertainment were literally co- compelled to do so. Wow. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, like within, within like, like 15, 15 minutes, minutes it was triggering as fuck and I had to like turn it off, get yeah. up, go take The trailer did that for me. And I mean, I think while it's dope, I think the biggest thing this show is about diversity, equity, and inclusion. Like the fact that Ava DuVernay just keeps delivering dope shit after dope shit after dope shit. When when we see these award shows and we don't see the equal representation for women and people of color, like these are one of those moments where I kind of get really angry, which keeps me doing this show, is because. Like, this is, this is what can happen if you have diverse talent and you're giving them the right opportunities to showcase what it is that they can do. Um, so just shout out to that. And not um, just diverse talent, because I don't, I, w- I would expect a story about this, quote unquote, because they are exonerated, but the Central Park Five to have black people in it. Like, I'm not, I don't, I, like, I, w- I wouldn't want them to do this. I wouldn't want them to do when they see us the way they did Cleopatra. You know what I'm saying? But I think. What's important is telling our stories from our perspective. Yes. And I think that that's what came across. So even like, like my brother. So you know, I've spoken about it on this show several times. The moment in my life that brought me to this place here, where it is my life's work, my passion to speak up for black people and people of color and people that feel unheard, is when my brother was also wrongfully accused by police and also beaten by police and then kicked out of school. And up until recently, I've always felt somewhat guilty speaking about it because he doesn't speak about it. It's something that he's always kept very close to him and he doesn't, like he just won't discuss it. And I wake up one morning to a long ass blog post type Facebook post from him about how not only did it trigger him, but he said, I ain't gonna cry because I had a good weekend. But what he said was that he needed to get to that to the end of the the four uh, the four episodes because he said that that part gave him hope because he said he could like and you know we talk about it you you feel voiceless like when the police and the law tell you that you're a criminal even though you know you're not a criminal. There is literally nobody in this world that believes you. This keeps you back from opportunities. This ke- keeps you back from, I think, uh, and I'm a, this isn't a spoiler, but I think Antron in the movie, they have him saying, you know, I never thought I'd grow up to be somebody people hated. Mm. And my brother spoke about like how that was triggering for him 
but he watched till the end because he needed to see that it worked out, that it can work out, that it, that it can get better. So Ava, and she says it all the time, she, she, she does this for us. She does yeah. this for black people. If it. anybody else wants to watch, it is definitely, you are welcome to do that, but it is not for anybody who it's not for, period. Um, and I think that authenticity comes through and like this is, this is this was groundbreaking. I think everybody should watch. I do too. I, like, because to, to, to talk about diversity and inclusion, I think their context is needed and this is part of that context, under, context understanding how um, the racial wealth gap in this country works as part of the context. Like you need to understand all of all of the 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 nuance of being black and brown in this country and how it works to understand how to create equitable spaces. And so like this is one of those I don't think it applies to everyone, but it's one of those things that allows you to put diversity, equity, inclusion into context and understand how to solve for the inequities. Or how to empathize because people tell empathize, us all the time right? yeah. like your stories aren't real, that you're exaggerating. Yeah. There's no way anybody would do that to, to you. And it's like, these were babies. I think one of them, uh, I forget which one he was playing, but one of them looked like a baby. Like 13, 14 years old, like yeah. in the grand, when you're 14, you're not little, but in the grand scheme of life at 14, you are a baby. But you read those articles, you know, about how uh, black young boys and girls are seen uh, older than what their ages are. And that's why, you know, they're being kicked out of school. Yep. And um, just today, someone said that they were going to send their daughter to, after the prom, there is a cultural um, ritual that happens on the East Coast where kids then go to the shore. Oh, yeah, senior week. Right. I wasn't allowed to go. I was not allowed to go either. My parents looked at me like I was crazy. Mine as well. But now that I know about it, someone asked me if I would let Dylan go. And I said no. She said, well, don't you, you, you don't, I mean, you know. Dylan's your daughter, right? My daughter, yes. You don't trust her? So it's not that I don't trust her. Right. I said it triggers for me when I went to uh, Labor Day weekend as a student at Howard University to Virginia Beach and how that turned into uh, all assault on us. And they right. had brought the, el the helicopters in and the dogs in, all because we were doing the same thing they do. If We weren't even doing as much as they do down in, uh, where is Myrtle that, Florida? In Florida? Florida? Yeah, we weren't even doing that much, but that's that's basically they shut us down and right. treated us. So I don't want to see my daughter have to go through that. So if she wants to go to the shore, I will book a suite, and I'll be in the next room. <laughs> you going on the trip? You ain't coming back with no I'm not going to go no to the party, but I no she'll know. No babies. Nope. That's it. Okay. Um, I would say, though, should, I think we should all watch it when you when you build that up because um, it is a great piece of art yes. uh, and truth telling. Um, and shout out to everybody that has used the technology and social media to start really having Linda Farstein and the rest of the people who yes. were a part of um, that fuckery like reap what they sow. And there's like... There's literally nothing you can tell me that would make me change my mind because I believe that she is just as dangerous as an R. Kelly. Yeah. If when you steal childhoods, when you steal portions of people's lives and then turn around and profit off of it, because let us not, let's not, let's not, let's stay woke. Yeah. Everybody's favorite law show, 
is based off of her, her and the characters of her books. Yeah. Liv, and I love Liv, because Liv would never, but Linda, yeah. Linda literally went on, left law, and was able to have a second career. These boys couldn't have one career. Have a second career as an author, and her likeness and image is used in TV shows. So shout out to everybody canceling her. Shout out to all of y'all that are burning her book. She deserves it. Let's go ahead and kick, continue kicking her off of these uh, publishing, out of these publishing yeah. companies. Because yeah. she deserves She deserves to reap everything she sows. Yeah, I mean, and, and to the fact that she's also still saying that these dudes are guilty is... Is she still probably. saying that? She's still, yeah. I yeah. she's still saying that. She, she wrote, wrote a whole op-ed. Yeah, like, if, if you've never, like, analyzed white audacity, like, <laughs> this is it right here. Let her triple chins divide. <laughs> Maybe that can be the ain't shit. Because I'm going to bring it. But Linda Farstein ain't shit. And I, I, I really need people to understand that, like, we can all empathize with rape. And we can all empathize with rape victims and the danger of rape. But let us be very clear that there are a lot of people that will make a monster out of anybody to prove a point, and that is what yes. she did. And I understand New York City in the crack era. And I understand New York City when no one was paying attention to rape. But what I don't understand is not doing your due diligence and what we are continuing to see is that there are a lot of people in law enforcement and in law, such as her and her team of motherfuckers, because that's what they are, that will create, craft the story and back into it before actually doing the due diligence of doing an investigation to understand the story so that they can work, they can work the proper way. They're and working let's be clear. Also called work. Let's be clear. Work, right. Where history. Research is important. Work. Reading is important. Reading is really important. Absolutely. But if you look at the history, all of that was set up by design. Crack. I mean, we've all, we all know now. You cannot be blind to the fact that drugs were put into our communities. They have movies about it. They have tapes, people on tape, documentaries, okay? Absolutely. Rick Ross. But the bottom line is all of these all of these issues stem from racial inequity, racism, so forth and so on. So you get what you sell. And so therefore, listen. You think that was fair? Yes. Linda first. Yes. yes. Yeah, I think she was acting in fear 100%. I think that she let I think that she but let us be very clear in that your fear of whatever monster you build up in your head will actively have you work or fight against your monsters. So for her, monsters were black men, black kids. So she saw them as black men, black monsters. Not kids That's having right. wilding. The whole thing of wilding out. Like we say wilding all the time. You didn't even care to research what that meant and how that was used, wilding? Oh, so you were rampaging in the streets? Yeah, if you think they're monsters. I mean, we can go yeah, on and yeah. on about this, but yes, yeah. I think that was fear. I think with all of the rapes that were happening and none of the cases that were getting solved, she let her fear of black men create that rape, create that story that the only person in that park or the only people in that park that could possibly be a part of a rape 
are black boys, even though there were hundreds of people in the park that day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they use the dog whistle terms, and, and Donald Trump, our pre- and I'm, nope, Who didn't president? say that. Who, pre- Who said that? He uses monsters when he, so the, the, the terminology just gets regurgitated, but it, it churns up the same emotions in people who are fearful. And we have to be very honest. Um, you know, fear is the major component to racism. It is. So. It is. Well, I'm going to talk about happier things because there's a special place in hell for her. Um, oh, I, have a, I have a dope shit. You go first. Okay. So, Black Godfather. Clarence Avant was a figure in my life when I worked at Motown. We're going to get into that, yes. <laughs> Didn't realize that my life has been a series of incredible coincidences and exceptional opportunities and he used to walk down the hall and I would just see him just cussing and carrying on and I used to think to myself who is that little man turns out had no idea had no idea that the magnitude of gumption that he had because when you watch this documentary on Netflix what I love most about it is his fearlessness mm-hmm. to go and talk to white people as people back at that time. It was, you know, coming out of, uh, where was he from? Climax, uh, Georgia. I don't even know if it's Georgia, but Climax, I remember that part. And um, I, I, what I love about it is I truly believe that being authentic is underrated. And I think a lot of people feel like you have to change who you are. But I have to say, I've gotten pretty successful at being myself. Um, I don't think I've ever not been myself. And I say things the way that I feel need to be said. I'm not, I try not to, you know, be cantankerous. But there's a time and a place for being <laughs> Y'all laughing. It's a time and a place for putting things softly, and there's a time and a place to put things exactly how they are. And I think you get more respect when you do tell the truth about the matter. I love when somebody uses cantankerous in the sense. I know, because you love cantankerous. That's one of your favorite emotions. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Well, I agree. We're actually going to get into that because you have had the journey that is your career. Because it hasn't ended. You are still moving along and making moves. You always, I, from, from what I've been told and what I've learned over the last year or so, um, you have the best story. So I'm excited that you're going to be able to share that with us. But before we get into that, I will give my dope shit, which um, this past couple of days, we have had an, uh, a slew of great announcements happening in the DNI space. Uh, in this business, the first coming from uh, Ad Color, they announced uh, their nominees um, for their 2019 awards ceremony. Um, that of which includes big up to Ad Color. Big up to Ad Color. Uh, that all, obviously, for those of you that watch the Facebook Live um, showing, includes some of our faves. We have Eva Longoria, who's going to be receiving um, their. Uh, one of their awards. You also have um, a couple other people that we know very well. Most importantly, and I'll, I'll say that because we had the, I guess we had the blessing or we had the 
amazing opportunity to have conversation with him. Um, but we have Sheldon Levy is going to be receiving one of the two Lifetime Achievement Awards. Um, and there is nobody that we can probably think of on our end that is more deserving um, than that man who had an amazingly beautiful soul. And even in the short time that we had the opportunity to know him uh, the past few months uh, before his passing, um, he definitely had impact on our lives. Um, but also on the even bougier, uh, <laughs> on the bougier, bougie, on the bougie uh, uh, fronts, um, your girl and your guy, me and Simeon are heading to Cannes, to Cannes, France, the south of France, like your favorite hip hop stars, uh, to sit on beaches and drink rose, um, but to also, Bring me a t-shirt. But, oh, right. <laughs> right, maybe on a yacht. We'll see. Probably on a yacht. Um, but most importantly, we'll be there um, to experience the Can Lions uh, event as well as to um, celebrate uh, with our family, I guess we can call them, at the Can Can Diversity um, Collective and the Inc on the Inkwell Beach. Um, so shout out to everybody that's been working on that. But they also announced some, uh, uh, I guess, special guests. I don't even think special is good enough. First of all, y'all, we're going to be partying with Gail King. Um, and for those of you that don't know who Gail King is, I'm going to tell you to go Google it because you've lost your freaking mind. Um, but how close can we get to Oprah? Uh, the closest is either Gail or Stedman. And Gail is, is good for me because... If there's anybody that can teach me how to keep my cool in the heat of a moment, it's gonna be Gail. Like, I need to know how she was able to reach down into her spirit when Robert stood up and raised his voice and his hand, and she didn't uh, backhand him. I need to know where that came from. I need to know what prayer that is. So Gail is going to be there giving the first talk uh, at the- Cause Equal she's Beach grown, camp. she's grown. I wanna be grown one that day. That was a grown- I ain't get there yet. Yeah, now that's a grown ass <laughs> auntie mama move. Yeah. Yeah, she said, Robert, <laughs> Robert, <laughs> sit, sit down, sit down. <laughs> so I need to learn that. But also we will, we will be uh, sharing moments and hearing speeches from the incomparable Naomi Campbell. Yes. The most amazing, beautiful, long-legged, excellent boss lady supermodel of the world, Naomi Campbell, as well as Gabrielle Union, who in my head is like my best friend in my head. Um, and not to mention she has this one dress I got from New York and Company that be having me look like a whole 90s model, um, video model, as some would say. Yes, it looked real good. Some point in existence that we'll have awesome we'll, guests. Hopefully we'll have awesome guests. If not, we'll definitely get awesome pictures. Um, but if I wasn't excited about France last week, I'm definitely excited about it today. I'm very excited. Because uh, that's, that's, big, that's big business. Wee oui, wee. Oui. You all speak that's any French? I know fromage. Uh, I know. Uh, you know Sweet. 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 Get you some sweets. Oui. Oui. I know no. 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 I have Google Translator. That's all I know. Right. Wow. So we got, we got some oh, really cool things going on. So that's it for dope shit. I guess we did find some ain't shit. Um, but it was definitely worth it. But for the most important part of our conversation, as I told you, we are here with Erica Riggs, um, who is going to be telling us all about the Advertising Club of New York, and most importantly, their master class, which is coming up. Um, 
in July. But before we even get there, you guys need to meet Erica in the way that we've had the amazing opportunity to do in the last year. Um, Erica, tell, can you, I'm not gonna give it away. Can you tell folks how you had the opportunity to get into advertising, how you started? Give us the points you want us to know. I want you to name drop too, because I always find that to be funny when you name drop. Um, and just tell us how you got here. Oh my God, that's so funny. I name dropped, that's hilarious. Um, you know what? All my life, all my life. Come on, Celie. <laughs> I have just been very interested in knowing more. What's around the corner? Who's over there? I want to know, you know. I have no FOMO moments because I'm going to be there. And it has led me well. Ready? So I think we were talking about, you know, just being curious. And I think part of that is because I'm originally from Dallas, Texas. We left Dallas when I was seven. We moved to Columbia, I mean, we moved to Florissant, Missouri, which is not far from Ferguson. Um, that was the first time I was ever called nigger. And it was interesting because we lived in these townhouses and we had a courtyard and this little girl every day would come around the corner, not every day, she came around the corner the first day, said, hi niggas. I, mean, I looked at my sister. I was like, what's she saying? Who's she talking to? Who's she talking to? Because we're princesses. We're coming from Dallas, Texas. We're like, who is, who is this little girl? Second day, comes around the corner. My mama said, y'all niggas. I said, okay, that's the last time she's going to do that. Third day, we had already divided. I told my sister, hold my books. That's right. Hold my books. Hold my books. <laughs> Hold my books. Get some Vaseline. Put okay. My hair up. She, I told my sister go on up this way. I came around the other way. Little girl saw me. Ran into her house. I ran into her house. It was those townhouses where the sliding glass door leads to the from the backyard to the kitchen. The mother's in the kitchen. Uh, little girl runs in. I run in. I go upstairs. Woo, 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 come on back downstairs. Run out before the mother could even figure out what in the world just happened. <laughs> My sister's outside with her mouth open like, what? And so, yeah, we went home. And later on that night, my father came home and had like a Cosby conversation, sat down on the side of the bed and told me that that was dangerous, don't do it anymore, and then gave me the bed. Yeah, that's right. Because sometimes, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you that was wrong, but you did right. You know, and so that was interesting because I had never had to use that type of passion and I knew then that, that wasn't gonna that's not how we were going to do this life. There would be no white girls coming around the corner, no white boys coming around the corner calling us niggas. That just was not going to work. So we left St. Louis. We moved to Columbia, Maryland, which was an amazing. It was like living growing up at Howard University. Um, it was unlike any other place we'd ever lived, because if you know anything about the DMV, it has the largest group of um, affluent and middle-class African-American uh, professionals. And so I had black boys to go with, I had friends to go with, I had black girls in my classes, black boys in my classes, so I knew how to compete with us, I knew how to live with us and have a great time with us. Um, and then we moved to Paoli, Pennsylvania. Child. Okay, let me tell you about Paoli. So Paoli is very old 
blue collar, very traditional. I felt like the black people knew their place. And I felt like, and I'd never seen such wealth before. So that's the first time I ever saw such a wealth dis, uh, disparity. Um, the main line is, is just absolute wealth, right? And yeah. that's legacy. That's real. No, no, not just you got a big house. Your grandfather and your great-grandfather, and you all went to the shore, and for spring break they went out of the country. I was like, whoa, this is really amazing, <laughs> right? So having all of those experiences really built something for me, and that was I'm adaptable, I'm still curious. It was very interesting because even though we had that moment in St. Louis, we've had that moment everywhere. Very true. You know, we've had that moment, but I always grew up feeling um, excellent. My parents were excellent. Uh, I had an excellent family outside of my, you know, just my um, direct family. And so when I went to Howard... It was an amazing year. I'm sure. <laughs> amazing year. <laughs> it was a very amazing year. Now, let me just say this. All the while I was growing up, I've been a producer and didn't know what that was. I was a dancer. I was always putting shows together in my backyard. I was doing gymnastics, gymnastics for the kids. Wherever I was, we were always, I'm the middle child, so I was always entertaining my older sister and my younger sister. But when I went away to school, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. And it's really hard when you're going away to college and you don't know what you want to do. And even though Columbia, Maryland had this amazing diversity where, you know, there were a lot of very affluent black people, um, Howard was very different. Howard felt like something... Affluence and being a whole prince from a whole country is very different. I never felt so poor in my life till I started to meet princes. Okay. And so smart. I met so many just brilliant and smart. And I had friends who knew, who knew what they wanted to be. But because I was creative and because I was... Um, I didn't know... I didn't fit into a box. So when you don't fit into a box and you go to a school where the first time every man and every guy that you see is just like, whoa, you're smart, gorgeous. Oh, wow, this is so much fun. This is so much fun. And I had girlfriends who were so much fun. It was so, a good time. Yeah, it was a great time. So I got a wonderful social degree there. <laughs> and, then, and then my dad said, you know what? Why don't you come on home for a second? And he had no idea, because he'll tell you to this day, that was the biggest mistake he made. But he was used to me being a straight-A student. He was used to me doing So they didn't know that that was. And also, too, Howard's in the inner city. And in the 80s, it was real. I couldn't take it. The ambulances, and you couldn't walk to the corner on Georgia Avenue to get your two-piece at Popeye's because you were going to get in trouble. I mean, wow. That's how it was in 2007. It not anymore. It's not like that. Now, now they're walking. It was like that in 2009. It's not like that in 2019. Now the gentrifiers think that it's a dog park. But anyway. Yeah, let's digress. So keeping it moving. So I knew I had to do something. I was always very competitive with myself. And I ended up going to hair school. 
And I loved it. That was an amazing, and it was a wonderful match because at that point I was always doing somebody's hair and making some, my best friend always says I was the first person to put eyeliner on her and I was cutting asymmetricals in our basement, you know, because it was the 80s. And um, yeah, so I went on to be a hairstylist in the 80s, in the late 80s when Guy and, and Uptown Records, you know, that's when Mary J. Blige, I'll never forget someone said, there's, play this CD. Was it a CD? Yes, it was a CD. Play the CD. And so then is when I got connected to the music industry because a lot of good hairstylists were coming out of D.C. And one in particular couldn't do um, her hair and needed me to fill in. And that I, I met Andre Harrell on that shoot. As, as, many, as many great stories <laughs> from this period start. That's like, right. this literally sounds like a Netflix film in itself. I did, I met Andre that's also how, That's how Diddy's story started. I went to Howard and I left and then I met Andre Harrell. Yep, yep, it was true. And you know what was so awesome, what is awesome about Andre was he was able to see your, whatever that was, he was able to see your it. And even, and he would let you try and figure that out. And um, at that time, I didn't go work for him then because I was doing a lot of work at Essence. Um, but I was doing a lot of, so if you look at a lot of the hair from back in the 80s, that was, that was me and this guy named Jeffrey. And it was an amazing time. So You were, you were, you were the inspiration behind all the hair magazines. Because, you know, when wow. you had to go sit down and get your hair permed, they give you the magazine and say, which hairstyle do you want? This one on the cover of Essence right here. Absolutely. Can I, get, can I get an Erica Riggs guy? Absolutely. So that precipitated a whole lot of confidence in me. And I knew, I was like, you know, still not sure if hair is the only thing that I want to do. So when I started coming to New York and I had that opportunity to work in um, music, Andre said, you know, you'd be really good in video promotions because video was really, and that was awesome because then I got to tour the world, going to people's basements and garages. It was like real Wayne world, carrying, <laughs> <laughs> carrying these big old tapes, you know, these half-inch tapes around the world. And um, so that was, in, you know, and that helped to really set me up in terms of meeting people, learning how to deal with people, learning how to negotiate, um, and went on and then all of a sudden we went from uptown to Motown. And I met this woman who made this amazing, we were sitting all at the, um, at the table for our marketing meeting and it was always very crazy in the music industry. My first day there was a fight between uh, Jimmy, uh, they call him Jimmy Love and the general market, uh, general manager Mark, I can't think of Mark's last name. I just went and closed my door and sat down, <laughs> called my sister. Right, this not my <laughs> I wow. called my sister. <laughs> I was like, ooh, okay. Um, but keeping, keeping it moving, this woman, she stands up, and she has this beautifully calm voice in a, in a crazy world of music. And I said, I want to know who that is. Turns out it's Valerie Graves. Okay. Okay. Auntie Valerie. Valerie Graves. I followed her to her, her office. I sat down, and I really just never left. Never left. I was like, okay, you are smart. You're sane. Everyone else in here is crazy. Um, although we kind of like it, it's still real crazy. So she goes on. She gets the uh, chief creative officer position at Uniworld. I really didn't know anything about advertising. But I knew I needed to get out of music because they were just 
It's rough, y'all. I've, I've told you stories. It's, it's rough. Yes, yes. It was the best training, and it was the best of times, and it was the worst of times at times, right? So she said, well, listen, you know, I, I know you're over there as, you know, marketing and, and video promotions, and, you know, I don't know, you know, all I have is a, a secretary. I said, bing, 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 I'll take it. Because at that point, I didn't have an ego. I was still trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And it was working with Valerie one day. She said to me, you, you can't just continue being, you know, being my secretary. You're a producer. And I was like, what's that? What's that? She's, right, because at the time, you're coming from music. So producers are people right. like Jimmy Jazz. Right. I'm I like, mean, I can't make no music. Sean Puppy Combs. Like, so, producer in the creative space. Ex- exactly. So I go over and I meet the producers. And she says, go for it. Well, I had a really good relationship with Byron Lewis, who was the founder and CEO at the time, and he believed in me. It was hard, you know, because now, think about it, that's my fourth career at that point. And so I'm going from here to to, to marketing, video promotions, and now I'm a producer. And, um, you know, it was some hard hard stories, but it was an amazing time. Uniworld had very smart, very creative, uh, we were billing, top billing, you know, so that was an amazing opportunity to be a part of. And then 2000 happened, 2011, well, that was a little bit beyond that, 2008, right, it was, it was a different time. And, uh, You're talking about the recession, y'all, so for those of us that graduated around that time, we know what that was like, yeah. Yeah. For those of us who are working, that shit was horrible. It is. I mean, I was hard. Yeah, I was like, I didn't. Yeah. I remember when we talked about. I graduated, and I wasn't even looking for a job because I was like, ain't nobody getting no jobs. I'm just kicking on this couch. Yeah. Well, I, I was like, I didn't. I, I, I feel I like that's when anywhere. everything changed it too. Yeah. Yeah, the fun, the fun left this country. It did. Mm-hmm. People, we got I do. real. <laughs> I do. People got scared. No longer because you you're coming from. So you're talking about your career. So to add color around this from the outside perspective. You're coming from the 90s where the music biz, like, culture was, culture was mirrored through the We were the culture. Industry, yeah, we were the main culture. It was fun, gold bottles everywhere, Versace suits for everyone, major clubs, all kinds of stuff. And all of a sudden, you're going through that for, what, 15, yep. about 15 years, yep. like late mid-80s through the yeah. 90s. yeah. 20 years into the mid-2000s, and all of a sudden it dried up. Yep. The golden age. We're, we're at the tail end of the golden age. Right. right. Right? And you're right. And things changed, and it became very corporate. Yeah. And corporate is safe. I'll tell you what else happened. At that point, you had black, you had black music. Remember? You had mm-hmm. black music. Black and music departments. Black music departments. Black music. Yep. And it was very much okay to be black, mm-hmm. you know. And I wrestle with this a lot because I hear people say, "How can I be authentic?" And I think that's very difficult to hear because we always were authentic. Well, moving on, I started a family and moved back down to D.C. and started working. Um, in higher education, and one of the things that I realized is I have always been a helping person, and I noticed that a lot of the young people that I was working with at uh, in higher education, they really didn't know who they what they wanted to do, 
And because I had lived that long path of trying to figure out what I wanted to do, mm -hmm. I could help. So this is around 2010 or? So 2004 to 2011. Okay. Okay. So that is literally towards the, the beginning through the end of the recession, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. And then I had a rebirth because I went back and finished my degree. Okay. And it was hilarious because I went back um, for marketing mm. and what we were being taught. What you've already done. Not only what we'd already done, but we created mm. um, the multicultural agencies and the uh, black music divisions. They created lifestyle marketing or right. experiential as we call it today because we were not, we weren't, we didn't have uh, an audience in the mainstream magazines, papers, and just, vin you know, uh, mediums, right? Mm -hmm. So until BET, think about it, you had to create experiences that spoke directly to the African-American consumer. Right. We created that. And I firmly believe that that was something that we should have had a little bit more uh, ownership of. And so when I went back to, uh, to school in marketing, this teacher was telling me all about these things, and <laughs> And I just used to laugh, and I said, you know, to me, we never get to own what our culture and what we create. And I felt like then, a kind of a light bulb moment, I knew another career was coming on. Mm, okay. And that was going to be advocacy. That was going to be making sure that I was able to help those not fall into some of the pitfalls or at least provide them with the understanding of what was available to them. And so what happens? I go to the American Black Film Festival where I had worked for many years with Jeff and everyone over there, and Valerie was there. Mm. Come on, full circle. Okay, and Valerie and I had breakfast, and it turned to lunch, brunch, dinner, and everything else. And she said, "Would you be interested in coming back to New York?" And I had no con—I really hadn't thought about it at all. Um, I had a daughter at this point who now is uh, twelve. No. When I told Dylan was 15, so she would have been 13 because mm -hmm. she was just going into middle school. And I felt like it was time that I really kind of re-entered with a new confidence and a new real life. I think for the first time, I had a, a focus. Got you. Right? And um, this opportunity. I met Gina. It's been wonderful. I inherited an amazing um, opportunity with the fellowship, with the master class, with the internship. So talent pipeline building, yes. It was, it was, I was primed and ready for it. So you're here with the Advertising Club of New York, which for those of you that do know um, and those of you that don't, the Advertising Club is um, an organization dedicated to uh, furthering the careers of advertising, marketing, media, basically communications professionals from their most junior in, uh, steps into the industry um, through the professional level. Mm -hmm. um, and through the mid, and for the mid-level people, specifically women, you guys have a focus through the fellowship, which is what Karina and I uh, had a, an amazing time, an uplifting time, and, and a career-changing, quite frankly, transformative, transformative time. time. Yeah. Um, 
going through this with you. Can you tell us a little bit about the fellowship? Sure, sure. So the fellowship, like I said, I inherited the first class. When I got here, it had been selected. And it was an amazing group of young uh, women who were really high potential, rising stars, and uh, really knew what they wanted to do. We were having a hard time navigating the, the messy middle. And since then, that class has really skyrocketed. You've got Amberlynn out there in San Francisco. Yep, that's you, our original producer. Yep, you've got Shaquana. Was she? Oh, that's so funny. Oh, you got Shaquana, Joseph over at Twitter. You know, you've got Alicia Ray. I mean, I can go on and on and on because I'm so proud of all of them. And uh, I was like, wow, this is an amazing program. So how do we make this really uh, pop. What do we do? And so we started to add things to provide the direct access because one of the things that we learned, and we know this, that when you're mid-level, and especially if you're mid-level and you're of color, you very rarely have sponsors. You very rarely have someone who's helping you to navigate through that company. Um, and so this allows you to have access to others. And what we learned was it's the cohort the sisterhood that's developed that then provides a confidence for questions to be asked. Because yep. I think you got to ask that question of yourself. But when you're working real hard and your head is down, oftentimes you don't ask questions or you are afraid to ask somebody because you the competition, right, is a competitive nature to this whole thing. This allows for a very, I think, unbiased kind of cohort. And so we found out the sisterhood was really relevant to the success of the program, along with we take everyone, all expense paid trips to um, conferences that we know for a fact you're not going to. You know, each conference is easily, what, 1500 That's on the cheap side, right? Um, and that's so just for, that's just for the ticket. That's entry. just the registration. Yeah. That's right. just registration. Um, and while we're there, we create moments. We curate that moment. We have executive salon dinners. So we really try and bring a lot of those thought leaders and uh, mentors, people who can potentially be mentors. But more importantly, people who can be sponsors. Because the other thing is, when you're out here in New York City with as many people as there are, how do you stand out? How does your hard work get noticed? It's hard. It's probably one of the hardest things to navigate. Right. How to separate themselves. That's right. So this actually gives you that platform. It does. And because of our members, and I, I will have to give a shout-out to Gina Grillo and Chris um, early because they have really fostered some wonderful relationships on our membership side. So the members are excited they know about this program. They hear what's going on. They see the caliber of women that we have in the program. So they want to be. They want to help. And it's not really always a hard sell for us. So understanding what you want, I think, sometimes is underrated because then you can create an opportunity that's so boxed in that you don't see other opportunities. And I think this fellowship allows people to really kind of think outside the box for a moment in their time, in their career. And I think it's hard, too, and you all know this, because it's not like you all get a sabbatical. You still have to work your jobs. Right. You know? Unless you force yourself into a sabbatical. But that's neither here nor there. <laughs> that's called self, self-care. That's called that mixed company care. Either way, with that being said... Part of what's exciting about the fellowship is that we get we we were announced 
during the master class of it's last year. It's the reveal. It the is reveal. the reveal, the unveiling of the fellows. But one of the key points of the fellowship is starts at, during the master class yes. because that is open to all people, but specifically for women. Yes. Um, and that's what's coming up, and that's yes. what we want to hear more about. Sure, today, so. sure. So we chose to do a master class versus a conference or a panel heavy. Uh, what we don't want is um, we don't want those who have um, created some success for themselves to sit and talk to the crowd. Uh, we really want a master class where experts impart expert advice, but there's a lot of hands-on. There's a lot of exercises um, that go along with that day. So you really do walk away inspired. You walk away feeling like there's a blueprint, and you're reinvigorated because, let's just be real, it's hard out here, and you need moments where you can kind of clear your head collectively, right? That kumbaya thing is real. And um, so the master class format works for us. And what we're going to do this year is really where before we were doing breakout sessions, this year we're going to keep the room together. And we're going to go through that day where this year's class is called Women Now 2019 to find our moment, defining our moment. We recognize that this is a seismic change, right? This is a shift that's happening. 2020, there's an election, and I think people are stressed out because of what's happening every day. Every day we hear news that we just, like, really? No. So there is, um, I think we need to, people need to unclench. Take your shoulders down. And how do you do that? How do you define your moment when the moment seems all chaotic? And that's what we're going to talk about. So we have um, Mia, Mia, I'm sorry, Maya Roberts, who is a part of Verna Ford, who's a wonderful executive coach who has started her own coaching um, company. And she's going to take us through Do You Hear Me, which is a way in which you can start to understand how to communicate, how to take some of what's in your gut and bring it up. Let's talk about it. And I think intersectionality lives in there because I think there's a cultural difference in how we communicate. So oftentimes you'll hear, you know, um, people having, <laughs> we call it passive aggressive, and then you have, you know, let's, let's assign aggressive. If I have a picture of a brown girl and a picture of a white girl, we're going to assign right. We, in our minds, there's a stereotype of who's going to give us passive-aggressive and who's going to give us aggressive. We already think that way. We already know going in certain things about how people are communicating or what we think are ways in which communication happens. And now we've got email. And you got email. I call them email, um, email heroes. That as long as they're behind the computer, they're real clever with their words, Right. Okay, and get you all, and you're feeling somewhere, and then you come in, and you're like, hey, what's up with the email? Oh, nothing. I was, all I was trying to say was blah, blah, blah. Well, now you've created I don't trust you, Right. okay, and I'm not really sure if that's, you know. I just, so we're going to talk about that because we know that the, in the landscape, in the workforce, that's a big issue. Yes, it is. Then PWC, who have been amazing partners to us, they um, are going to bring, they started off as a webinar, 
and I said, it was such an amazing webinar. I said, can you customize that for the master class? And it's called Beyond Diversity. Because now we know it's not, diversity is not the issue. It, it is the issue, but it's not the main issue. Inclusion and belonging and right. creating those type of environments means you got to go beyond this thinking, uh, checking the boxes, and you got to start really putting yourself in a situation that you can understand. What does that mean? What does diversity really mean? So, um, and what are people really looking for? Because just because I'm looking for a job doesn't mean I'm trying to put you out of one. So I hear a lot of black, you know, white men talking about, you know, how they feel, you know, that they can't be um, trusted anymore and they feel like they don't know how to work with women and coach women or manage women and all this other nonsense. But really, <laughs> really, I, I don't have enough time right. for all of that. Then we go into a wonderful uh, panel um, with Valerie Graves being the moderator because she actually came to me one day. Well, I was, I was complaining. I was. I was fussing. And she said, you know, you need to manage your heat. I said, ooh, what does that mean? She was like, right now, you're getting a lot of attention. And people are looking at what you're doing, and you need to be successful, you need to be strategic, you need to make sure you understand that this is a moment right now for you, and you need to, you need to maximize this moment. Uh, so you need to manage your heat. That's a word. Okay? And she's, I said, where'd you get that from? She said, you know, I was listening to Jay-Z talk to Come one on. of his artists. <laughs> <Come> on, <laughs> She was talking, you know, I said, that. see, that's fun. She's right there, you know, listening to Jay-Z talk to one of his artists. And he told his artist, you know, man, you need to manage your heat. And so on that panel, we're going to have Rakia Boyd Reynolds, nice. who is pretty fantastic Marketer in my, in yes, she was she was our um, intern at ABFF, American Black Film Festival. And I knew then that she was destined for, for greatness because she didn't stop. Um, and uh, so she's going to be on that panel along with Minjay Ohms, who is the chief marketing officer of Visible, which is a new platform that Verizon actually recognized could possibly be a disruptor in uh, the industry because it's $40 flat fee, all the data at 5 MPBS. I don't know what that means. Oh. I don't know what that means. All I know is That's I could. Is that an internet service or a phone company? Phone company. Oh, I need that. $40 flat. flat. Oh, okay. Like okay. That. So. Can I keep my iPhone? Yes. Okay, well, you just have to have it on. It has to be unlocked. It has to be unlocked. That's fine. I, okay. I got a. I, I know. I got a guy. Okay. <laughs> I got a guy. Okay. And then we're gonna have uh, none other than Tiffany R. Warren. Okay. Okay. Speaking of ad color. Okay. Yeah. So she's gonna join us because who better to really really talk about or have uh, uh, that experience manage your heat. Man, she's like every time you turn around, she's getting some type of a announcement, award. Right. She is being recognized, and, and, and rightly so. She's doing some great work. So what happens? What does that look like? How do you, um, you know, really kind of use those stepping stones to maximize? So Lunch with Leaders gives really the leaders who are in our membership base um, and we have, a, we have wonderful, you know, um, we work with media, tech, marketing, advertising, because as you all know, this whole, this whole game is changing. So we'll have people who are uh, thought leaders and C-suite um, come and have basically lunch. 
you know, with the women, and they basically have table topics and they get to talk. We'll have Sophia Hernandez, who's the chief client officer at Suzy, um, do a TED Talk, kind of talk about her rise because she's got a cool story. Um, we have um, Nadia Masri, who is a, an amazing young entrepreneur who is on her, like, third company. Um, and I'm just trying to think. We're going down the line. All of this. We have a lot, but Nadia will be teaching one of the classes. Then we have, after Nadia, we have What's Your Balance, Shakira Green. who Yeah, she's a wonderful financial expert. And Felicia Geiger. Yes. <laughs> we, yes. Love, we love Felicia Geiger. Um, and we're going to end the day with Shantae Bacon, who is um, um, a music uh, industry guru who has like really Literally done everything. Really like, Shantae, done everything. Shantae Bacon gave yes me and my peers the blueprint to how to succeed when I was in college. And so it makes sense that her her platform or her her session is going to be called Toot Your Own Horn. I mean, sh- listen. There is there is a chapter in a book about Shantae's rise from intern. To executive. Exactly. So if nothing else, there's nobody better to, to discuss this. And I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And we end with the reveal of the 2019 class of, it used to be I'm part, and I'll talk about that a little bit, but now it's the ACNY Fellowship. Well, why, well, why, so what, what, what's with the change? So I'm part was really more of a movement, mm-hmm. okay? And it stood for I am part of diversity. And that was necessary, but I think now that we, we're not trying to do tricks. We're not trying to... Mm, we're not trying to trick you into diversity. Yeah, you know, it's it, already, the transition has been made, got you. Exactly. So we want to make sure that it's not kitschy that this is sustainable and this is not a movement. This is truly in our DNA and this is what we do. And ACNY fellows, that's what we are, you know? And so all that other stuff, because part stood for promote, attract, retain, and train. And I just- We gotta do more than that. We gotta go even further. Much. And the ad club in itself goes beyond just promoting, attracting, retaining. It's it, and training. It is literally a, a hub, a centralized hub for resources for those of us that want to succeed. It's a hell of a resource, and I tell people all the time. They ask me, you know, how do I get to be on one of your panels, or how do I get to, you know, I didn't know you all were doing A, B, and C. And there is, you know, advantages to belonging, but you can't just stand on the outside of the fence and say, you know, you want to belong. You got to join. And it's not like we have some astronomical uh, initiation fee or anything crazy like that. It really is a tool to help you self-brand, develop your professional networking and your network and your skills. And um, that's what we need to do. Is that for everyone in the industry or just for women? No, that's for everyone in the industry. And I'm glad you asked because... We talked about that a lot. So this year, we're going to actually, we're in the process right now of creating a fellowship that's going to include men. And it's also going to be targeted for creatives. And yeah, so we're working with people who are experts in the creative field to really make that experience one. Because right now, the fellowship is very general in that you can be in any of those um, disciplines because it's really about executive training and presence and access and network, right? 
Um, and so everyone needs, needs those skills. But we definitely want to make sure that we um, provide these opportunities, and especially for men of color. Um, we find that, you know, w there's very few programs like this. There are not too many programs, period, that exist that are working on this level, mid-level. We have a lot of entry-level programs, and then what happens is they don't retain the, you know, we, we go on and on and on. They don't retain the talent. We know all about this. Yeah, I don't need, all to, about this. I don't need to tell mixed company, I'm sure you don't. know. So you need to tell that to your mixed company. That's right. So, you know, it's a wonderful opportunity. I think you guys best exemplify it because I remember when you called me up and you just said, you know what, I'm about to leave my job. I sure did. I've kind of got old. That's, that's the cuss out I didn't want, so I just wanted you to know in advance that I'm no longer going to be working. I said, now, is that some millennial shit going that's exactly on? what you said. And, and I, I had yes. to think about, you know, you have to think about that, too, because we do think about things through our own lens, right? And we were taught to push through, push through, but think about it. 50-year-olds are dying early these days, and I think burnout all that pushing. Real. Yeah, burnout I think is real. Burnout, we, have, we, know, we knew what it was before, but dealing with it, like, we know it needs to change. So I definitely feel that for all, for all of us, I, I would say for the three of us, we've definitely found working with and being a part of and being welcomed to the Advertising Club of New York at a time and, and, and in, a, um, in a culture where every part of the advertising industry is not as welcoming and is not as, is not as forthcoming with both opportunity um, and, and experiences to learn, like we've definitely been able to find that. Yeah. And so I know you guys have the Ad Club as a whole for a hub for those of you that are interested. Um, and, and finding out more, definitely get to the website. And then you have the Fellowship for Women. For those of you who are aspiring to executive level positions and then hopefully 2020 and beyond, not hopefully, it, it's, it's coming, it's in the works, yeah. but 2020 and beyond, you know, the fellows will have, have a chance to do a little something too. And I think what's so great too is Gina gets it. Um, I think once she recognized how I work and who I'm working with and what we're doing and you guys come in and it's like you all basically are at home. And so I, I saw that and I said, you know, we really need to provide a very clubhouse kind of environment. I know you can go to WeWorks and work and all these other things, but let's think about what we can do for our members who are transitioning into different careers or different jobs. Let's invite them in, you know, like you guys can come, yo, come. You were here today, <laughs> and I'm gonna put you to work because y'all are smart. I call you the cool kids because you are. We are. Yeah, got me saying dope. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. You know, but you all really are, and I think it's very important that I'm. I'm happy. You know, I, it's not about bragging on me, but I am happy that I come from. I get this from my mom and my dad. They have always had an olive branch for anybody that needs it. They've always had an extra dollar for those who need it. And I'm not saying that you all are, you know, charity cases. No, that's not it. But I'm so happy that I can recognize and utilize all that I've gone through, all these little crazy things, being a hairstylist, being a pepper shaker. Y'all know about that. But... Um, top break dancing. It just goes on and on and on. Um, because... It has helped me to understand that one thing that I do know about people, there's more than one, one thing about them. There's passion, 
And then there's that's practical, right? And I think as you get older, sometimes you start to get more practical. But I really think if you can create that parallel existence between your passion and that practicality, then you've got something. And I think that's what scared me when you guys left. Because I was like, well, you left your job? Well, how are you going to pay your rent? How are you going to do, you know? And so that's the old school in me. And, um, but I also realize y'all are hustlers, you know? And I think that's where we get, uh, we get together I think that's our intersection. And out here, you can't even be in New York if you're not a hustler. You got to get ready to hustle. I think it's really great as millennials, though, that you all recognize your value and you are not afraid to say, hey, listen, I watched my mama have to go through it. I heard about my grandmama or my great-grandmother, and we're not doing it. You guys are definitely impatient and not don't want it. And I think that's a good thing. I think that's a great thing. Um, it scares your parents. It scares your parents. That'd be all right. <laughs> as long as you can pay your rent and don't need to talk to them, yeah, they think you're going to be all right. But I think it's, I think you all are setting a precedence. And um, I, I appreciate that. And it's cool to look at. Definitely. So, Erica, how do people, how do people get in touch with you? How, where do they go to find out about the master class? How do we, how, do, how does this work? How does, how so, listen, we, we, this, this website, I'm a little sad when you got your job because before you got your job, you were really doing great things for us here with the website. And since you got your job, it's kind of been put on the slow, slow road, but we're hap it's coming, it's coming okay. together. So you can go to the website in our old, you know, page till it exists. And soon we're going to have the new website that you helped put together, you and Kate Bauer, who now is in Maine. Shout out to Kate. Shout out to Kate. <laughs> and um, so they can go to the website, which is theadvertisingclub.org. They can always reach me, Erica, at theadvertisingclub.org. And um, you can LinkedIn me, too. Amazing. Well, thank you to Erica Riggs. Thank you to the Advertising to Club you. of New York. <laughs> For those of you that are interested in the master class, I need you to definitely do your part. Let your organization, your your place of employment, your organization, your mama, whoever, know about what goes on at this master class. Um, because it doesn't hurt for us to all gain a little bit more information and be loved up on a little bit more. Um, get you a table, get you a ticket, get yeah, you let something. Yeah, let me say this. For those of you all who are HR and you're looking for something um, that you personally don't have to put together within your organization. I don't think anything like this exists anyway. I'm not saying you don't have great training, but this is a kind of a return on investment that doesn't put a hole in your budget, and it allows you to bring 10 women because we do a, uh, what we call a 10 cohort table, and the bonding that happens between that group, you know, I really think that it's invaluable that we understand that people are working and they're not happy. So if you can give somebody an opportunity to be happy and you don't, you're not quitting and you know you've got an opportunity to have them for another year or two, why not? Why not invest? So please get in contact with me um, for members. I think it's 2,800, and for non-members it's 3,800 for 10 women for a full day, lunch, breakfast, and all that good stuff. I don't even want to talk about it as a value. I just think it's an amazing opportunity. And I think if you don't see the value in it, then. Well, well. You shouldn't be here. Well, with that said, Erica Riggs, it was so great to hear your story. I'm just happy people are getting to hear your story because I don't think you, t you tell people enough about it. 
Um, so thank you for joining us. Thank you for always supporting us. Thank you to the Ad Club for always supporting us. Um, well, I love you guys. I think, and I tell you this all the time, I think I um, always, I tease, I think you think I just tease you. But I do think Kai is like the new Oprah. She's the voice of her her moment. Um, I do. But I, but, and just like Oprah's got Gail and Stedman, she's got Simeon and Karina. You, you, you need that. You need that. So, I yeah, you need that. You need that. You need people, you know, that are supporting you. And I think you guys all support each other. And I think that's a wonderful thing to see amongst young African American, smart, and beautiful. Come through adjectives. I like okay. that. Beautiful. <laughs> yes, y'all. All right. Well, thank y'all for listening. You know we'll be back uh, during Can. We'll be recording. We'll be we'll be catching up with some folks. I'm so jelly bones. Um, but also we will be, I believe, live recording from the master class. So you guys will be hearing from us a lot this summer. Um, so stay tuned for more, and we'll holler at y'all later. Bye. Bye.